Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. Joining me today is Chris, David, TJ, David. <laughs> <laughs> Mess that up. Brent, Divad. Oh. And uh, my name is Earl. David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Judge. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast, we're talking about what we've been watching and then uh, doing a breezy on the streets. We'll start off with what we've been watching. Anyone want to go first? Yes. I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have kind of a limited mix. Hope it doesn't uh, sound awful to anybody listening, but I'm going through a bit of a cold. I'm just going to go through a couple things. Uh, on TV, uh, Chris, you challenged me last week asking about, uh, you know, you watch Rick and Morty, don't you? Mm-hmm. And it seems like so much up my alley. So I started watching Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the on-demand is kind of difficult. I think the first season is like a, a paywall on-demand. You have to okay. buy it or rent it. The second season, I think, is available, and this recent season. So. Yeah. Unconventionally, I'm starting with the third season. Okay. <laughs> it was uh, really good. Yeah. It's really funny, and it's bizarre and violent and out there, and it's just tailor-made for me. <laughs> it's right up my alley. Nice. That is that is that is how you normally attack TV shows. You just pick whatever season of TV is available to you and start watching there. Well, if it's <laughs> if it's non Netflix streaming, I'll, yeah, you know whatever's whatever's free. <clears throat> uh, I especially like the uh, man the pickle Rick episode. Yeah, so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a crazy like Odyssey episode. <laughs> yeah, with some honest like therapy stuff Jack in the Wong. middle of it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I've never seen any Rick and Morty, although I know I should. I'd probably love it. I didn't know that was just a single episode. That must be like it's one of its most famous episodes because I've heard of Pickle Rick. Like I see that on things. It just reached like meme status immediately because the the the, the writers and creators know exactly how to tap that. That, mm. that vein. Yeah. So, like, in the preview in the episode before, for, like, the, like, and next time on, it's just, uh, you know, Rick Sanchez doing his, like, bullshit, and then going, oh, yeah, motherfuckers, I'm Pickle Rick! Which, like, <laughs> just shot it into the memosphere. Yeah. <clears throat> it's really good, and especially, I like the finale, too, with the standoff with the president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About how they contend with someone who's like, uh, yeah, who's like Rick in, in an actual universe. Yeah. How do... <clears throat> How can I be president when there's someone who lives in my country who's a living god? Yeah, essentially. Uh, that was really good. I really enjoyed it. Cool. And I watched it. Uh, as far as uh, movies I watched too, one was a rewatch. When I was when I'm sick, I'm vulnerable rare, rare to David rewatch. <laughs> it was a weird one. Uh, Allison and I saw again Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Nice. <laughs> that movie hit so funny. It hit so well. Yeah. It's it's. So hilarious still in the rewatch. Two of my favorite things. I love the, the catchphrase verse that he does. It's just like, yeah, it's so dumb. It's good to rewatch again because there's like 25 different things in it. You know, where he does that. The doink to doink. Dilbert. Dilbert's in there. 100 gift baskets. It's just like a bunch of random stuff. Patrick Stewart money. <laughs> that and uh, I, I just love the fake TMZ scene in it. Will Arnett, so good. Yes, is like hanging over the cubicle yeah. with like ever increasingly large water bottles, <laughs> <laughs> and they just get unhinged. Well, Michael Bingley is in those scenes too. I think. Yeah, Eric Andre. Is. Yeah, and uh, Chelsea Peretti. Having watched a couple of the TMZ stuff, it's just so on the money and yeah, yeah. 
I remember I was watching that movie and uh, I was already pretty giggly just from mm-hmm. from that movie in general. And then like, it cuts it to there. that. I lost it. <laughs> I just lost my shit when when, when I saw him. Because he's so perfect in that role as, mm-hmm. as that guy, Harvey. Is that yeah, his name? Harvey, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched it in the theaters, and uh, I just kept, like, kept laughing so much after that TMZ scene that I was missing the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really funny movie. It was very unpopular. Kind of just, like, all their stuff. Like, uh, Hot Rod and McGruber and whatnot. Yeah. I thought Hot Rod was funny, too. I did, too. Mm-hmm. I like, I like all that stuff. Yep. Intensely alienating to the American public. <laughs> yes. <laughs> New movie I saw, I just saw... Great um, Wall. Great Wall. Yeah. The Great Wall. I did not see The Great Wall. God damn it. <laughs> Another week to wait for Brendan. then. <laughs> uh, I saw Gerald's Game. Oh, cool. Netflix uh, adaptation of Stephen King novel? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Novella? Story. Story. <laughs> Bar napkin. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that as one word. I was like, what the hell does that word mean? Barnapkin. Barnapkin? Barnapkin? It was really good. I watched it on a whim. You know, it's uh, October now, so I'm I'm starting to crave some horror material. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, Netflix original. And all I knew was of it was that uh, Carlo Gugino was, uh, you know, it's the first couple of minutes. So she gets handcuffed in bed. They're having a kinky session mm-hmm. of Gerald's game, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, her husband has a heart attack, so she's stuck there, and that's like, movie starts. And I thought it was uh, really um, creative. It reminded me of The Martian a little bit, when they go like, you know, we're problem solving a bunch of stuff. Well, they really like talk through it like that. And then it eventually it's like, oh, this is intensely about trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I had no idea any of the background of, of, yeah. the, of the story. Yeah, it was always one of those, uh, like, the unadaptable Stephen King story. It mm-hmm. kind of had that that mantra for, for a long time, but it sounds like they did a good job. I saw a funny meme, it was like, ladies tied to a bed, has to get away. This movie should be two hours long. It was like all the Dark Tower books, and it was like, 90 minutes. And <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned something, I think, that's in Dark Tower. It's like, everything goes to the beam, or something like that. Weird. Does There's a beam sense? reference in Gerald's game? Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Seems like a... Was he using that phrase in like a kinky way? <laughs> he, t- he ties ties her arms to like a crossbeam. All things serve the beam. <laughs> <laughs> that joke will play. <laughs> Don't know where we're pointing. <laughs> hear, hear the point. <laughs> yeah, but it was pretty good. Carl Gugino's great in it. And I was just real... I don't want to talk too much about it. I think they changed... I was looking at the plot on Wikipedia for the book. They changed some stuff that sounds like it was a good idea to change. Yeah. And they keep some stuff that sounds like it would have been a good idea to change. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a, it's a King adaptation in that yeah. respect. Yeah. But I, I recommend it. And it's on Netflix, so you could just watch it. Nice. Cool. Nice. <laughs> oh, and it's, parts of it are deeply unsettling and unnerving. I don't want to make it sound... Nice. I'm <laughs> excited about some of the nice. stuff in it. <laughs> Like morning radio DJs. Yeah, we're back. Dingo with Pressing the baby. The no, 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 <laughs> Besides that, I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm biding my time before my next hundred hour RPG. So I'm I'm finishing the game that came with my PS4, Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. It's a really great story. Hmm. It's it's just really fun. It's the kind of thing that why I like the rebooted Tomb Raider game. It's just like a pleasure to be in the world and play. Yeah. And the story is actually has some unexpected turns. You know, very Indiana Jones, James Bond-esque, where you go from um, set piece to set piece, but 
some interesting character stuff they did in it. Have it, you played it at all? Mm-mm. Have you played the older games? The no, it's my first one. Yeah, I've, I've played the first one only, and I really loved it. That, that same uh, Indiana Jones feel to mm-hmm. it, where set piece is a good it's a good description because even though it's just it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like stages when you play but it's very much a stage game mm-hmm. like you just move on from stage to stage or at least the the first one worked that way I, I really liked it I was hoping to uh, but I was I was I wanted to play more I got the uncharted like the bundle like the remastered yeah. games mm-hmm. and they it didn't work like it wouldn't it wouldn't load it wouldn't what? play on my PS4 hmm. really yeah weird Twice. Like a different disc. <laughs> I thought you put it in once. <laughs> twice. And then you put it in the can. <laughs> so, it half. Twice, <laughs> twice is all I'll give anything. Uh, yeah, no. Try to Do you unwrap it? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it this copy of Benji? <laughs> you sure it wasn't your iPad? <laughs> Wait. It was a bologna sandwich. <laughs> That's what it was. Classic brown. Actually, it broke. Wrote, actually wrote Uncharted on it and wrapped it up and gave it to you for your birthday. It's a bologna. You went, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it broke my PlayStation. <laughs> but it was delicious. <laughs> Dear Nathan Drake, you broke my PlayStation. Thanks for the sandwich. <laughs> but I ate your game. And it was tasty. <laughs> Uh, this is a good podcast. <laughs> yeah, go <laughs> really cohesive talk we're having. And you just get hungry. It's like, man, I feel like a Nathan Drake. Just completely swap the vocab. So the rest of your life. So is the Nathan Drake just a sandwich that is made up entirely of a single slice of bologna? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Metallica used to eat in the behind the music. <laughs> Called Poor Man's Lunch, just do a Nathan Drake and some mustard. Does anyone remember that behind the music? <laughs> Obviously. Um, but that's it. Watching uh, TV, doing some movies, and then I'll play the game. Did cool. you watch Survivor? I did watch Survivor. Really? You're in? I did. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna, you gotta, maybe not in the, the four of us thread, but maybe you messaged me like, it's so good. <laughs> It's just so so nostalgic going like going back and starting a, a season of Survivor again. Yeah, it's like aside from the MTV shows that kind of ape Survivor. Yeah, like they have an MTV type of execution. Right. <laughs> it's a whole different thing, Survivor. It is so polished and like such a superior yeah. method of delivering this kind of drama. <laughs> yeah, their their production doesn't rely on cheap cliffhangers or. I mean, Tribal Council at most is split into split by one commercial break, but normally, it's not. It's, normally, it's just it normally it's, through. it's straight yeah. through, mm-hmm. and then the next episode starts with the night after, and you've got a little bit of day. Sometimes straight to the the, the first challenge, which is reward or immunity. And then if there's another one, and then it's Tribal Council again. Like it's just like it's so well streamed mm-hmm. that after watching the nightmare that is this fucking arguing one season, oh. it's so it's so much worse. Than the last two seasons, yeah. I I think so. Um, They pulled their talent pool out of Instagram competitions for some of them. And so they're just like the worst, most pandery people. And they've changed how they organize the show. You don't realize how effective it is like to have it set up that certain way with having a kind of a finale or a nice arc at the end. But with this, they're starting like in the middle of where they would start their old episodes. Doing the match ceremony in the middle of this this season's episode, sometimes and then the ending first, with like useless shit. Sometimes it's the first ten minutes, or so. yeah. But or it's, they'll have a cliffhanger at the beginning of the Love Lasers, yeah. the Truth Booth. 
Just sometimes it'll just be in the middle of a fight. Yeah. It's just it's so disjointed. Maybe they're dicing it up because they get it. They get there in less than um, ten weeks. Ten weeks. Okay, I was gonna ask. Like, there's a really like it's a it's gotta be a really scary like game concept for those producers because like what if they get lucky the first time? What happens? Yeah, I, producer probably just change it. They just like <laughs> honestly, uh, yeah. Give them the money and... Start a new show? Yeah. Start a new season? <clears throat> and then you use them as like a... Or just cancel it because they don't have the funding for any season. Actually, what they would probably do is they would probably just like write a new show real quick. Because <laughs> they already have the Are You The One Is Love Real or whatever it's called. Second where, Chance at Love. Second Chance at Love where it focused on like five five couples or ten yeah. couples who yeah. were perfect matches to like kind of put them through like like relationship tests. So you just spin it into that and then... There, thinking about dumb. thinking about game shows yeah. where people win immediately reminded me of Gold Case from Thirty Rock. <laughs> Kenneth's idea for a game show, which was uh, thirty models, one of which is holding a briefcase full of gold, <laughs> and you have to pick which one, and it's the one who's clearly struggling to hold the briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> hosted by John McEnroe. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to, to, to bite yeah. into your bit and just survive no, talk. No, but. it's perfect. What did you guys think of the episode? Uh, not notable to me. Just, yeah, it's fine. It's rare to get notable episodes that pre-merge, mm-hmm. I think. It, typically, it's more common when you have a returning season, but these are all mm-hmm. new players. and Still kind of feeling them out. Yeah, I think returning players feel more pressure to make moves early because they start worrying about what cost them their game last time. But these people all can just play slower, I think. Yeah, I was, I'm talking to Brent. I don't know if you agree with me particularly or not, but I was watching it with Cassandra and they. Uh, she was like, who do you think they're going to vote out? Because it was you know, either going to be Simone or the redhead kid. Patrick. We were assumed. And I was like, oh, it's Simone. And she was like, you're not going to vote out the redhead kid? I was like, nah, because these people have been watching Survivor for 20 years. Like, they're too smart now. Yeah. Simone's the obvious choice. If she makes it to the merge, she's taking up a spot in the final three. Right. Because nobody's going to vote her out at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because she's not going to win. I mean, and, I, then, and then everybody voted for Simone. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd nest. I mean, it's too early for me to know if I really would have agreed with that about Simone, like making her a danger to finish in the top three. But at the same time, I think they made the right call because it's like, well, we've got two people we don't really trust. One of them's good at challenges. And that's the whole point of their yeah. game, so, is to not go to trouble. Like, it, I would yeah. have understood if the choice were between Patrick and then someone who was, like, maybe weak, but super trustworthy. Right. I still think the whole goal in the first few episodes is not go to trouble. Just avoid trouble yeah. at any cost. Yeah. I, I also think that it's a little ridiculous that, that people are like, I mean, I, I know there's stuff that we're not seeing about him being untrustworthy, but the whole idea that, like, Oh, he's erratic and like wants to be the center of attention and like jokes around too much. Like I can't trust him. Yeah, that was the other thing. It it's was like, a direct line drawn from he's annoying. Do I can't trust him? It's like okay, I'm gonna take the the the, the beefy pale boy and have him do challenges. From everything they've shown, he's a fucking moron. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can you not like manipulate this dude? Like vote out the one who's like I play a great mental game. And it's like oh yeah, you're fucking gone. I will say focusing on that team though, uh, <clears throat> I like I like Allie. I think she's yeah. one of the more impressive contestants so far. Although, I, f- I found out later that, uh, and this very rarely happens on Survivor, normally their background checks do really, really well, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently Allie and Patrick went to college together, mm-hmm. and were like, not buddies, but like acquaintances, acquaintances, acquaintances and they, they knew each other, so that's a rarity. And then they wound up on the same tribe. She's the, uh, I actually think she, her background gives her a skill set that I think is uniquely helpful for Survivor, which is, uh, sh- her job is, she is an, a personal assistant to a YouTube 
yeah. celebrity. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And so I was like, man, that's got to be, those have got to be annoying people to like deal with on a regular basis. And, our and, internet sensations. And you need them to do something. Please subscribe. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like you need to go to an appearance or something and they don't want to do it. So you're used to manipulating and feeding ego to get places yeah. and from the, from the way that she was talking about it i think i think she she alluded to like helping the person with makeup so i think it's one of like the famous makeup people on youtube mm. yeah i bet it's uh yeah i'll bet my wife watches those videos uh, <laughs> if it's a famous like makeup thing yeah i also i also wonder how, what the scare quotes are like around the phrase youtube celebrity when Allie talks about the person she works for mm. i mean if that's um, her Actual job and her only job, it's actually right? Beauty, it's got to be something. <laughs> Somebody who can hire, her. yeah, yeah. But I'm, 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 I would not be surprised if she does something else. If she's the one, right? Disclose that. Which is why it blew my mind that that hero lady who's like the financial planner who's like, I have plenty of money at home, but I really want to play this game. I really need to hide the fact that I make a lot of money and what I do for a living. Like, why would you even bring that up in the interview? Like, just never talk about it. Just don't tell anyone. Don't just talk get about into it. that mode. If the producers yeah. ask you in, like, a... Probably check your credit. Is that a thing later yeah. on where people are well, income-shamed that they don't need the money so it's they, happened. they yeah. shouldn't be there? Yeah, it's happened. It gives them a severe disadvantage late, in, too. In late tribal. Because yeah. you've got the jury. You've got people who have, like, said that, like, they were homeless for a while. And they're, like, tr- trying to get this, this paper. And you've got this woman who's like, I think this is a fun game to play. I want to win a million dollars. Another million. It could have played into last year's some. I think it happens less now than it did in the early days of Survivor. Back when everybody respects the game. Yeah, because now it's a bunch of super fans who want to see good winners more than the early days. But I remember in the first season, one of the final votes was cast purely based on like perceived bank accounts, pretty much. What season? First season. Oh, yeah. And it was a 4-3, although this was a vote for the person who ultimately lost. But it was like, basically it was like Richard Hatch... Has clearly has money. He's got plenty of money. He doesn't need money. Kelly is like 23 and is just out of college. So I'm giving her a million dollars instead of this. I don't know what Richard does, but other than eventually go to jail. But for not paying his taxes. Um, And then just while we're on the topic of uh, reality, I just want to throat clear and say that the challenge still hasn't been interesting. It'll be interesting. They did have a good cliffhanger. That this is the most powerful challenge where the winner gets to vote someone immediately out and put someone up for elimination. Yeah. They get a cliffhanger to see who they're going to do. It'd be interesting because this is the biggest thing that could make the show interesting or kind of throw the power off. Yeah. If they, like, uh, just eliminate Johnny Bananas or something. Yeah. Just as soon as the challenge is over, if Johnny Bananas doesn't win, there's, like, a of the five guys or seven guys who are left... Two of them want him gone immediately. So if any of the two of them win, then the person who's participated in 17 challenges and won like six of them mm-hmm. goes home immediately. Just not that interesting. interested in this season. There's lots of like weird, like lots of people have gone home for stupid shit. Yeah, Nelson. Like there's, there's like been like more fist fights than normal and like just overt racism, which was in one episode and then never addressed again. I don't know. It's strange. I think it's losing its luster. I think they just need to um, clear out some of some old talent. Because some of this, some of the stasis from this uh, season is like Johnny, Leroy, Tony for a while, CT, Derek. Yeah. They're all on the same team. They're on the same team and they're all so good that they can be in the middle. One of them wins the challenge and they're all safe. Forever. Yeah. Maybe it's just too calcified at this point. They should just do a rookie season next year. 
I know that, yeah. that it would it would be sucky to not have like a bananas or CT, but a rookie season would be good. Just like you know that there's like everyone who's on Are You the One, not everyone, but lots of people who are on Are You the One and whatever that other feeder show is that they were talking about. Just get a bunch of these people from real world and Are You the One, and just make them compete and say like you know the top four are coming back next season for underdogs versus champs again or something. Are, are most contestants or are most seasons of the challenge like bringing people back? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Normally there's like six or seven new people mm-hmm. and then the rest are vets. That's oh, a mix. But yeah. You should do under champs versus dogs. <laughs> for the most part like the newest people get gone because it's like you haven't proved yourself. Yeah. And then <clears throat> you have the same divisions and distinctions you've had for five years of this guy is always with this guy. He has his back always. These guys hate each other. They're always going to be on opposite sides. Yeah. And it's kind of running it back so often that I think that would be probably a good idea. Survivor, I think, one time did a surprise season where one tribe was all returning players and one tribe was all new, which was, oh, nice. which was fun. The new players were, they. Uh, the new tribe was all standing out on the beach and Jeff's like, all right, we're going to bring in your other team now. And it's just like all these people they've watched on TV before and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Do you want to go, Chris? Naturally, yeah. You kind of, I'm just trying to trying to trying to get some of the shows that we watch together or in pairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for solo watches, uh, I know I talked to you guys about this earlier in the week, and I wrote something, put it up on the site. I watched the girl with all the gifts. Yeah, I talked about it on, on the cast. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah, I really liked it. So you'd watched it already. Yeah, I read it and watched it. Yes. Uh, I was surprised at how much I liked it. It looked like it was just going to be another like low budget post-apocalypse movie, but uh, it was really good. I, I couldn't not think about 28 Days Later. Mm. It's an original zombie story, too, which is yeah. an accomplishment. Yeah. It's, 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 I like the, because it's just, I mean, it looks like it's going to be some weird story about, you know, these kids in this military complex. I didn't read the book right. or anything. Um, and, like, how they're treated, but it opens up pretty quickly to, you know, the whole universe. But it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I personally would have made the same choices at the end, but whatever. Oh, as as her? As far no, as far as like storytelling. Storytelling. Uh, yeah. But I think it's an acceptable, interesting way to end that end that narrative. Yeah. Um, there, there's a the, the plot is there's a virus that doesn't affect kids as much as it affects adults. So you while they're zombies, you can still teach them. Right. And they're trying to like train the zombie out of them pretty much. Right. Interesting. The, uh, well, at one point, Justin O, uh, Jim Arterton, says to Senia Nenua, I think that's her name, mm-hmm. that uh, she's a second generation. So I think that they hint at, like, maybe there were people who were pregnant when they ha- got the fungus, and these are the kids that are born from it. But I don't know that from, from any other details other than calling her second generation. Right. But that's that's what made me think of, which would make sense that there are so few of them. Sure. Because that sounds crazy that like you round up all the kids from all the pregnant women. But yeah, actually, they, they do kind of say that. Yeah. This, this isn't spoilery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so any second generation, they're trying to like humanize again. I was surprised by uh, a guy from Hot Fuzz. You know what I'm talking about? The guy with the the sergeant, Sergeant Park? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good in it. Patty Constantine? Yeah, Patty Constantine. That's it. He's really good in it. And uh, obviously Glenn Close is great. I recommend watching it. What's, what's he streaming on? Uh, Amazon Prime? Cool. Um, as far as games, uh, I bought Cuphead but didn't start playing it yet. Oh. So I will report back next week with a Cuphead report. Nice. Um, I've watched Cuphead so many report. videos of like 
2013 E3 stuff of that game. Yeah. Looks so fucking amazing looking. Yeah. <clears throat> it's all... Hand- I, I watched the GDC, the, the Game Developers Conference, mm-hmm. uh, talk from 2017 of one of the head animators um, showing like how much work went into... It was basically... The, the talk he was giving was basically like, our game's going to be late, so don't be mad at us. Here's why. And everything is hand-animated, hand-painted, like, in the style of a 1930s cartoon, if you don't know about Cuphead, but... Like, the only sound effects are, like, uh, like old-timey piano accompanying those cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> and the characters, it's like a bullet hell contra type thing. Mm-hmm. When they fire, it's like they do their own mouth noises, so it's like... Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> it's like the sound of a, a mouth making bullet noises. Yeah. <laughs> or like... <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to check that out, be back with it. Uh, in the meantime, I've been playing a stupid phone game. Knights of Pen and Paper 2. I don't know if anyone played the first one. I did a while back. I saw this one. It's pretty simple conceit. It's like a... It's free to play. That helps. Uh, but you are a... Participant <laughs> uh, in a Dungeons & Dragons game uh, with your game master, which is like... A pointless conceit. It's just a way for them to show you the dice rolls as they're happening. Mm-hmm. And then you can use the money that you earn in-game to like invite someone else over to play. So then you can go from two people playing the D&D game to three to four to five. Um, really, only the only reason for the, that outside story is it's got lots of winks and nods to how ridiculous D- D&D can be. Like, you're going through this dungeon... And one of your characters, every time there's like an encounter, is like, is it a giant lobster? And he's like, no, why would there be a giant lobster in this game? <laughs> and you keep playing, and you get to the end, he's like, is it a giant lobster? And he's like, fine, it's a giant lobster. <laughs> and you fight this like big giant lobster. But it's fun. Doesn't the free to play free to play hooks aren't that bad? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like constantly nudging you to spend real money. I haven't spent a dime on it, and I've gone through one full playthrough. Cool. Um, I could go into New Game Plus, but really don't feel like it. I aced a game on one one try, and I don't really care about like maximizing damage. There's no other content I'm going to see except playing the game again. Mm-hmm. So I'm done with it, but it's fun. It's free. It sounds interesting. And it's available, I think, on everything. But what about on Zoom? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you activated me. Oh wow! <laughs> but I got nothing else. So I watched and those reality stuff and phone game, and that's it. I can go, because other than watching shows, I'm actively watching uh, season two of This Is Us, season two of This Is Us, and season two of The Good Place. Have you watched any of that? Yeah. Pretty weird. It's really interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't know how they're maintaining it for an entire season. The, I don't either. I have no idea where it's going. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, uh, it's almost like, like a satire of shows retooling after the first season. Yeah. Because <laughs> they... they, they they're like, oh no, we got we got signed for another season. <laughs> like, now what? Well, I think it's almost a satire because not just I don't know if it's a spoiler or anything, but they retool like fifty-seven different times in the just the first episode. <laughs> yeah, the second episode it goes to like okay, try five hundred and eighty-six. Yeah, whatever. I'm I'm really in, it's one of the most interesting shows on TV because um, of that right now. A primetime sitcom that's taken that route is super interesting. Like, yeah. Great. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about those at season's end, I assume. Um, I haven't watched anything, not one thing besides that. But I did listen to a podcast, which is pretty fun. It's called Lime Town. I think I mentioned it in the uh, Facebook thread. But uh, it's uh, serial style. I mean, like, exactly serial style or S-Town, <clears throat> anything like that. But it's fiction. It takes place in a universe where, in 2007, there was a town of 300 people that disappeared mm-hmm. one day. 
after something called a panic in that town. So there were like news can news vans there. News cans. <laughs> news cannons. Yeah. Extra, uh, extra, read all about it. <laughs> uh, news vans there. Uh, so they got a lot of it on film, but like they were surrounding the town and all of a sudden there's nobody in the town anymore. And it's this uh, American public radio APR journalist that is obsessed with it. She's in her early 20s and she starts trying to figure out how to uncover the secrets of what happened at Limetown. 10 years prior and uh, it's interviews and stories just like Serial meets X-Files mm-hmm. kind of thing hmm. really, really fun do you have any other exposure to fictional storytelling in podcasts? no hmm. I've I've dabbled here and there there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there yeah it's, it's weird because it's, it's a whole wing of podcasting out there they're obviously acting mm-hmm. like it's so hard they're not good actors you can like tell that like oh this is this is bad but the story's good enough that it's interesting and it is the reason I, I found it I came across it by a, I was listening to one of my favorite NPR shows and podcast um, uh, Snap Judgment storytelling with a beat it's kind of like This American Life but like kind of an urban version it's really good but they have a Halloween side show called Spooked that's scary stories mm-hmm. I really liked it and I was like scariest podcast let's Google it on the way to work one morning I pulled over on the side of the road and then I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That's, that's not a crime after the fact. It's just yeah, poor judgment. We're going to get yelled at by listeners. We also present fictional storytelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just one person. All four of us. I actually don't even own a TV. <laughs> I haven't watched anything ever. I've never seen a moving picture. Um, but I googled Scariest Podcast and that popped up. It's old. Yeah. I mean, it's six 30-minute episodes, so... Have you ever checked out uh, Lore? At yeah, all? Lore's really good. It's, it's becoming a, uh, I think this month, Amazon Prime show, too. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like Are You Afraid of the Dark for Adults? Uh, all right. <laughs> kind of, but there is Reading Rainbow for Adults now, which is a great podcast. Have you listened to any LeVar Burton reads? No. It's amazing. You know what? Should... It's LeVar Burton just picks his favorite short stories and reads them on the podcast. And it's like, oh, your voice is so amazing. Oh, wow. He got in trouble for trying to use his uh, his end of episode catchphrase on yeah. LeVar Burton reads. But don't yeah. take my word for it? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like not his intellectual property anymore. It's right. just like a, a real sad thing when I saw that. It's like, because LeVar Burton is such a nice guy. He's on um, So he, smart. Yeah, he's occasionally on some like video game adjacent material because he's uh his daughter works for the the mega company, the mega YouTube company Rooster Teeth. Hmm. So he like occasionally shows up on stuff. And he just seems like a fantastic fucking dude. I tried to I was really excited to listen to one short story I like a lot and uh I got home, I put in my earbuds and I like hit go and it was like, Hey, this is LeVar Burton Reads. It was like, sit back. Take a deep breath. I was like, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for You're amazing. <laughs> Don't let me persuade you. Yeah. <laughs> just the best way to go to sleep is constant Laura Burton talking in your ear. I'm like, ah, so peaceful. That's it. I, didn't, I didn't watch a damn thing except for. You, the, sound, the you look pretty peaceful now just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm getting. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I woke up too early. I feel warmer than I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched an hour of Revenge of the Sith this morning. Yeah, I, think, I, I was about to say I think you've watched something else. That's what I was gonna guess. Woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. Woke up and decided like, how can I fuck up my day? <laughs> the remote's way four feet away. <laughs> I'm not changing it. Thanks TNT. It was on TNT. Yeah, nice. So it's it's an already overlong movie with commercial breaks. <laughs> There's so many of those damn scenes in the middle are just like of the Padme and Anakin. 
falling in love. And so, like, I know the perfect place for the baby's room. By the gardens. And he's like, I love you. You're blinded by love. And then, like, shitty segue from George Lucas. It's like, why did I just watch that? Star- God damn it, George. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm haunted by the kiss you never... Yeah, that's from the other one. The, I'm haunted by the kiss that you never should have given me. It's the, the best horrible. George Lucas segue is the uh, uh, the next picture drawn in from all four corners and beats in the middle. <laughs> God damn it. He's, like, just found PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, that just made me sad. Just thinking about these <laughs> prequel movies. Alright, I watched a few movies. Uh, I'd never seen Boiler Room before. I watched Boiler Room. It wasn't very good. It was like, I mean, it was... it was Next! It was, it was pretty mildly average. Um, now that's a movie that people point to where it's like, Vin Diesel's pretty good. Yeah. He's, he's pretty, like... Vin Diesel does that, I guess. To me, he's just pretty in that movie. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, I feel like the threshold for him being good is just him not being bad, maybe? If that's the case. Is that no. most people? <laughs> yeah. I watched uh, Assassin's Creed, which I wrote a review of on the site, and uh, I don't know, it, it really missed out on the, the magic of the, the video games to me. I would not. Not surprising. I would our, not recommend it. In our video game movie podcast, we talk about uh, people that make video game movies that miss the point of what makes the video game interesting. Right. Yeah. Do you think they do that? I talked about it in the review some, and and they... Yeah, it's like the... the, I remember when I was hooked on the first Assassin's Creed game for the PS3. Mm -hmm. uh, It was the moment where you climb to your first ever viewpoint... And the, mm-hmm. the camera circles around, and it's kind of like you get more of a panoramic shot of the some Accra or yeah. Jerusalem or something, and it's a gorgeous scene. In the movie, I mean, it's set at another time period, which is fine. It's set in Spain in the 1490s, but mm-hmm. when, when he climbs up and you get the viewpoint, it's just everything's on fire, and there's just like smoke everywhere, so you don't mm-hmm. see anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really, like, dark and serious movie. Not that the games are, like, you know, jokey or anything. Right. But one of the biggest things about the games, like, for the atmosphere, is they're bright and technicolor. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Because it's, it's the, that's the whole idea, is that you are, you're not, you know, Solid Snake. You're not, like, dragging people mm-hmm. behind a corner and, like, knocking them out and trying to stay stealthy. You're trying to get away with killing people in broad daylight in popular areas. And you're also playing through your ancestors' memories, which are like that's why they're kind of in Technicolor to me. Is because yeah. they they're repurposed and mm-hmm. uh, and also in the games when you have these assassination quests that you go on, they make it pretty clear in the games why you're going to kill these people. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. here's this guy who's taking a, who's doing experiments on sick people in the hospital. So you go kill this like doctor who runs this hospital. You know, it's it's all set up very straightforwardly and it's there's just direct exposition and it's it's just like, okay, here's a bad guy, here's why he's bad, go kill him. Yeah, it gets a little weird when they start doing the Templar stuff, but Yeah. But see in in the movie, I have no idea why the bad guys were bad in the movie. Like it was just they they kidnapped a kid at some point, and I don't know what the point of it all was. But it was very very little plot to that movie. And yeah, the uh, they spent too much time in present day, which is another thing the game did not make the mistake of doing. Yeah, because <laughs> my, my least favorite parts of the game are when they're talking about like the animus, and we've got to hide from the Templars. They're gonna find our our, our place, and they're gonna shut us down. And yeah. 
She's like, don't care. I don't want to stab things. Yeah, so fucking go stab things. I want to get back to like climbing around Mecca or wherever. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't know. Maybe it would be interesting for someone who's never played the game, but it would probably be hard to follow if you've never played the game. I wonder yeah. what would make someone interested in it if they have not played Michael the game. Fassbender is, is a good actor, and it's got a good cast. I mean, Marion Cotillard's in it, and Fassbender's like, he's doing his best. He's, he's giving it, you know, his all. He's clearly passionate about you know, this project, he, I mean, they. this was in development for like two years, I think, two mm-hmm. or three years. Seemed like a while, but it just wasn't, it just missed the mark. That being said, it might be one of the ten best video game movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next one that's going to be coming out, video game movie? Oh. Tomb Raider. Yeah, um, the, the Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Be good. Trailer looked it good. It won't be. <laughs> it's good. I just at this point, I'm just. It, they're all going to be bad. It's so much easier though to take the story of the first Tomb Raider reboot and just translate that into a movie. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. You know, it's it's Lara Croft, it's like exploring shit and getting like the crap kicked out of her by the environment and by people, and then beating the crap out of them. Yeah. From from the trailer for <clears> the <throat> movie, they take a lot from that game. It's yeah. the setup. Yeah, I think we were, we were talking on the Facebook group. Like, yeah. there's it, there's a shot for shot intro scene that is ripped from the game. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. So, they at least had to pay attention that that game exists, which heartens me a little bit. <laughs> as sad as the video game adaptation industry is. I think I think Assassin's Creed would work better as a TV show than a, as a movie because you you could, I mean the way the games function, you you have different assassinations to work on throughout right. the game and they all progress towards yeah. they're all tie in loosely to a bigger story. And then you know each season it, you could do it like a like Fargo you could just have a different season take on a different story every year that would work better than trying to make sense in like an hour and forty five minutes. It's like, all right, we've got eight Assassin's Creed games. We've got one shot at a movie. It's like so, what should we do with it? Well, let's make sure that none of our producers or writers or anyone actually play any of the games <laughs> or reference any of the things that happen in the games except for. Someone's got a cloak, they jump from buildings, and stabby-stabby time. And there's an animus. Yeah, and there's an animus, and it looks like a cool sci-fi machine, except we're going to make it even cooler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That was a good pitch. (laughs) Movie pitched. Yeah. All right, moving on. I... uh... (laughs) Boiler Room is part of an ongoing uh, series for me where I watch, uh, I've been watching the films of Ben Affleck. Yes. The great Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, continuing with that, I watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which uh, completed, what's that What's that for? View Askew Universe, something like that? Yeah, like those four movies are like more closely tied than the other Kevin Smith movies. Isn't that movies. what it's called? Yeah. I don't know. I know that there's it's, a universe. Yeah, it's just his like... His production company is called View Askew. Yeah. It was it's Chasing like Amy, Clerks, and James and Bob? And Mallrats. Five. Clerks 2. And Clerks 2. Clerks 2. Like, this was supposed to pretty much end that series, and then he got basically, I don't know, got the itch and decided to add to it with Clerks 2 later. But uh, Add to it in quotes. Yeah. I liked uh, Strike Back when I saw it. I saw it in college, though, mm-hmm. a couple times. In the Super Troopers vein for me. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. It's yeah. a movie that does not take itself seriously, and you just have fun watching it. As someone who's a fan of Kevin Smith and not a fan of that side of Kevin Smith, not a fan of Clerks, not a fan of Mallrats, mm-hmm. not a fan of Jane and Bob, the characters, really, even, mm-hmm. um, I thought it sucked. <laughs> I always hated the fucking movie. Really? Yeah. It sounded like you, there was going to be a, but I liked this. No. Was, and that was completely right. Like it took all the parts of Kevin Smith movies that I fucking hate and put them in a movie. That's, That's what it felt like. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I liked it better than Mallrats. I thought it was better than... Because... 
I mean, I, I've never, I've never seen any of those movies twice because I don't like them at all. Yeah, it's clearly none of them are on par. I think Chasing Amy for me is, the, is by far the best of his. Great, yeah. Early stuff or maybe any stuff I haven't seen really much beyond. James I was a big fan of Zack and Miri. I thought that was a good romantic comedy. That was fun. Chasing Amy was great. I thought Red State was fantastic. Yeah, I never saw it. Red State was really good. Is Ben Affleck in it by any chance? Because I might see it no. soon. No. But John Goodman is, so you know it's great. <laughs> They, um, che- they cheated on John Goodman. Yep. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, it's, it's definitely one of those things. Like the kind of comedy he's doing is done well. It's not for me. Right. It. It just. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, I think it's just. I don't know. I, I, I want to say it's so dumb, but it's obviously not. Like they're very smart people that I'm good friends with that love it. Yeah. But it just doesn't doesn't hit for me. And he's a great film director. I mean, he's. He's fantastic, but his dialogue's pretty those good. Those characters are just not good. Yeah, I like. Uh, I do like. I mean, it's a it's a cheap and easy gag, but I fucking love uh, Goodwill Hunting too. Hunting season. Yeah, I love that. What is it? Applesauce bitches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're the same guy too, right? Yeah, <laughs> the same no name actor. I like how uh, Matt Damon like doesn't want to do it, and Ben Affleck just leads it. He's like, just remember the paycheck. Just think of the paycheck, man. Yeah. Um, did you I was, watch anything else, Brad? I did watch something else. Now I think we heard some about it. I'm yeah. This was an offensive film that angered me and was three hours long. It's called Pearl Harbor. Uh, nice. <laughs> Forgot you watched that. It is the worst World War II movie I've ever seen. It's so god awful. Uh, it's Although that's about what I would expect you to say. About it. I've seen some of the German World War II movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably this well, is more Lenny Riefenstahl. This is more offensive than like German propaganda. Triumph movie. of the Will. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's more more offensive than the movie within the movie in the Glorious Bastards. This is worse. Yeah, yeah. It's just I I don't want to talk about it much. But Ben Affleck is he is actually not as bad in that movie. Like when you isolate him from the words he's being made to say. <laughs> like well, plus you have Josh Hartnett there. Yeah. Also that always helps. Everyone Make else look around. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale, Jennifer Garner, Cuba Gooding Jr., John Voight, right? I don't know what the point of Cuba Gooding Jr. in the movie was. Is Voight FTR? Yeah. yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. is a cook slash boxer. Yep. A yeah. real guy. And he shoots a gun. Yeah. He shoots a gun. Yeah. A turret, right? Yeah. yeah. Knocks down a plane. Spoilers. Alec Baldwin plays Doolittle. Yep. Alec Baldwin plays Doolittle. He's not bad in that uh, part. Dan Aykroyd, is, is he the general in the Pacific Theater? Uh, uh, he's in, like... He's trying to figure out what the the codes that are coming in like. They're he's trying to figure out what the Japanese plans are. Um, well, he failed. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. No, no, no. He's, the, he's he's the one telling everybody else like, oh, I think they're going to hit Pearl Harbor. So, uh, so they were like, what are you saying? It is the most, Pearl Harbor is an inside job. It's the most cliched, like every fucking war cliche you can think of made it into this movie, including Josh Hartnett as he's dying at the end, being like. I'm so cold, Rafe. I'm so cold. Uh, I was like, I, I started laughing, man. <laughs> I started laughing at Josh Hartnett dying because he used that fucking I'm so cold trope. It's so, so awful. How long was he gone from when he like crashed into China and then came back? Oh, Ben like, Affleck? Oh, he was dead. Yeah. So. How much time passed there? Because I feel like they moved on really quick. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's also, like. Also, like he crashed in China and then didn't he just get picked up and go right back? Isn't you would, that, wasn't you that the plan? You would think. But. No, it's like three months. <laughs> she gets remarried in three months. She falls in love with his best friend. Well, she's Kate Beckinsale. I mean, she, it's like a hyper timeline there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
well, it, it all moves on really, really fast. <laughs> but the, actually, the movie reaches a conclusion, and you're like, oh, well, this just was kind of, this is just kind of bad. And then you cl- you check on the timestamp, and there's still an hour left. <laughs> like, an hour, two hours into the movie, Pearl Harbor's attack is done, and they're, like, trying to move on. You're like, okay, well, that was, that was good. I mean, that wasn't good, but, all right, your movie about Pearl Harbor is complete. Roll credits. Yeah. Nope. Still got an hour more to go. It was not good. Follow that up, though, with the uh, movie Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck and Sam Jackson. I like uh, that movie. The movie that I uh, always get confused with Paycheck. It was really entertaining. Uh, it's about... I got Ben Affleck. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Ben Affleck and Sam Jackson both have... Uh, they uh, have, like, a fender bender. It's a relatively <clears throat> minor car accident early one morning but Ben Affleck's like a, a young lawyer and he doesn't have time to trade insurance information with Sam mm-hmm. Jackson so he just like basically runs off and leaves him there it just turns into two characters making poor choices like but I don't know I think there's a good payoff with it it's I liked it yeah. it, it like the poor choice they realize they made poor choices and they don't get rewarded for their poor choices sounds like James saw Bob <laughs> just <it> just <laughs> But they get rewarded though. It, that's different. Yeah, it's uh, this was yeah, it's uh, obviously a this, joke. Bro. This escalates. It's really good. I liked it. I liked it a yeah. lot. I remember. I don't remember a lot about it, but I remember liking it. Yeah. Samuel Jackson does get a really good nervy mm-hmm. performance in there, and some good tension. Yeah. Tension. Also, like a, like William Hurt's in that movie in a very small role. He's Sam Jackson's AA sponsor, which is uh, I don't know. It seemed like a really small role for William Hurt to pop up in you do that yeah anyway it's good i'd recommend that it's on hbo cool 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 yeah that's it no tv for me breathing on the streets breathing on the streets whoa fucking nightmares breathing on the streets oh my god (laughs) (laughs) what i've got a news thing that i think that we probably shouldn't spend a lot of time talking about as long as it's not Harvey Weinstein, I'm down. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, it's it's all still developing. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was an alert this morning. Yeah, it is it is interesting uh, what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. If it's true, it's disgusting. If it's not, it's disgusting. But it looks like there might be some truth to some of these allegations, which is crazy. It's still in the alleged region, but there's so much of it that is when this broke was unsurprising to everybody in the industry. Yeah. It's like one of those well-known secret kind of things. Yeah. Not even really a, a kept secret. Yeah. It'll be really interesting if they do end up suing the New York Times. Yeah. Because then that would, uh, I was reading something, that would, devoid, that would void any NDAs from any settlements they've already done because they could be asked to speak about something on the case. Yeah. And you could have a lot of stuff get into court that could be interesting if it ends up being true. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to tiptoe around that, but I think that it's it's it's, yeah, it's a we huge it. story right now. Yeah. yeah. And the Weinstein company is like one of the biggest movie production companies that's not like one of the mastheads. Mm-hmm. Not mastheads, uh like the big big four, big five. There's technically five, but I mean it's kinda yeah. now split yeah. many times. I mean Weinstein was the Miramax guy who was responsible basically Personally, for like Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, all these people, their entire careers, I would do this guy. Yeah. 
He's, he's got fingerprints all over the industry. Like, like like you say, we try not to... This is a fresh wound. Yeah, and something this uh, sensitive and disturbing. Yeah, not qualified to speak on it. <laughs> yeah, we, we're least, not at in least... any industry where we have inside information. Yeah. I mean, well, there's the only, other, the only other fact is there are people who are jumping off of his legal team right now. Yeah, that's like new new developments today, but my whole thing is still just like wait and see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, big TV <laughs> news came out yesterday that uh, Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead are crossing over, which would be big news for anybody that still cares about the Walking Dead. How? What do you mean? That's the first thing that I asked. Like one's in California, the others in the South. They're not going to meet up. They're crossing over, so it could be old characters that are gone from the Walking Dead hmm. that are that went west or whatever. I, I mean, you. the Walking Dead is. Years behind the wall. Fear the Walking Dead is years behind the Walking Dead. So. Yeah, because it's as it's starting. It could be uh, Ab- the Abraham and them um, because they came from out west. Yeah, from Texas. So I don't know. It's it's a thing. Um, they're also adapting one of my rare comic reads into a TV show. It looks like Elijah Wood is the front runner to play the lead character in Why the the Last Man. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a TV. Where's it going to be a TV show? FX. It sounds like. Mm, it's a good place. It's a good yeah. place for it. It, it gets that the show gets very very violent. Yeah, that shit was <laughs> fucked up, man. Yeah, it was good. Though. It was a fantastic. Story. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the only graphic novel series that I reread every couple of years. Oh, really? Because I just get get a hankering for it. Yeah, Elijah Wood. Hmm. He doesn't have the the handsomeness that I would think of. He's, he's like the roguishness. He's old, roguish, dude, but if anybody can play, there's any 38 year olds that can play 20 year olds. Probably Elijah Wood. One of yeah, them. he's he's right stature. Boyish. His bones are good for it. He's the <laughs> Stockard Channing of his time. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> and a breezy. Um, I can't see anything else. Too crazy. Saw trailers. Pacific Rim Two looks fucking awesome. I don't know how, what the temperature in this room is on Pacific Rim, but mine is real fucking high. It was okay. I really liked the first one. Yeah. I, it got better as the movie went along. It was I'm, a hearing, little... I'm hearing what David's saying, but TJ is just making noises. I <laughs> know <laughs> it was good. I got a little like bogged down by some of the like tropes in the first one. Yeah. Like, there's a level four monster. We've never seen a level four monster. Right. It's like, well, how the hell do you have a level four? <laughs> you didn't know it existed. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Seems really specific. <laughs> um... But yeah, so the new trailer, you know, it's John Boyega and Charlie Day is reprising his role as kooky scientist man. Yep. Other than that, there's another character in there who's a repeat. Other than that, it seems like a fairly fresh cast. That there's only a hint of Idris Elba. I think it may, may be what about implied the, that, that Boyega is Elba's son in it. Is there is the lead in that? Did he like die or something in the first one? Charlie Hunnam? Is yeah. that him? Yeah, I don't know. He was yeah, not I in the trailer at all. Both him and Rinko Kikuchi aren't going to be in it. Yeah. Because this is this this takes place like in the future in the future future, um, when they've abandoned like the Jaegers are in like owned by each country and they have like elite pilots to do them and now it's like they show someone like bursting out of a junkyard in a self-made one and someone who like built one out of like arcade parts. It's more free. It seems like there's like less less government, more monsters, um, and they they use good way to take that. Maybe to a sequel. Yeah, and then there also looks like there's pieces where they're using the, the Jaegers to fight for sport just because they can. Huh. Pacific Rim. Uh, Rise of the Libertarians. 
Less government, more monsters. <laughs> so that trailer, and then uh, the Red Sparrow trailer, the new Jennifer, 2018 Jennifer Lawrence spy <laughs> seductress, looks cool thriller. Looks neat. I saw it. Looks looks sexy. <laughs> I don't know that it was this week, but I don't know if we've talked about. It. There's a trailer for. Uh, there's a new trailer for Red Dead Redemption out too, and that looks mm. really good. Mm. Yep, sure. looks, yeah. looks fun. You look like you play a cowboy. Prequel, it's a pre- right? Yeah, it's yeah. a prequel. So I wonder if mm-hmm. it's it John looks, Marston with his old bunch. Yeah, it looks like there's a. The, I don't think it's John Marston. I'm guessing. Here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that you play <laughs> as someone other than John Marston, and you run into a young John Marston mm. somewhere in the game. Like, a, as part of the gang or whatever. I could mm. see that. That'd be neat, yeah. I guess. Is that who you are in the first game? John Marston, yes. There's only one game. There's well, there's technically some... Red Dead Revolver and then Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. But... There's, like, almost no link between Red Dead Revolver. <laughs> anyway, looks cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. First two, uh... Just kind of reverting back to the watch list, but we've missed a thing that I know a few of us watch. Maybe all of us. The first two episodes of SNL have aired. And they're pretty good. I saw a Gosling's episode. It was fine. I just saw the first one. Last night's, it was okay. Last night's was better than Gosling's, I think. Last night's was funny. I didn't Who see Gosling's. Uh, Gal Gadot. Oh, yeah. She was, she was pretty wooden in it. Wasn't very funny, but... Real pretty. Real, real pretty. And skits. So she didn't break in every single scene she was in? Like Gosling? Yeah. <laughs> Watching Gosling live makes me really appreciate the patience of his directors on movie sets. <laughs> because, I mean, the alien, man, they gotta go through a lot of takes. The alien thing was still really funny, I thought, with Gosling. Mm-hmm. Did, I, Kate McKinney did any of so you good. guys see... I gotta admit, I, I skipped it. I think I've seen it so many times. Okay. Did, did <laughs> they've, you, they've done that... Well, we just can't talk about it being funny or not. <laughs> it was good. It, was, it, it took it to another level. I mean, that's... You yeah. wouldn't believe what happens yeah. in this... Article. Yes, that's say does sound like a clickbait. It's like human clickbait. They take it to another level. Um, <laughs> you all believe it. <laughs> have you any of you seen the picture of Harrison Ford punching Ryan Gosling on the set of Blade Runner? Yes, it is glorious. Yes. So apparently he it was uh, just an accidental one of those takes where he accidentally landed the punch that he's supposed to miss. And uh, I love that in interviews he just blames Gosling. He's, he says, I think his exact quote was, he's a fucking mouseketeer. He's been doing this his whole life. He knows where his head's supposed to be. <laughs> Love Harrison Ford. Yeah. So? Uh, no, I think that's, that's, that's it. Uh, what about, uh, what's the best bet for this weekend? So, your choices, I pulled them up, at least according to Just Watch, are Jackie Chan and The Foreigner. That looks pretty good. I want to see that. Yeah, Happy Death Day. Oh yeah, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women looks cool though. Could be a good movie with a terrible title. Um, uh, you've got Chadwick Boseman and Josh Gad in Marshall. His name means justice. His name means justice. <laughs> it's a, a very very distant Oscar maybe year. Bottom uh, of the Oscar maybe. Looks like standard biopic fare. Yeah. And let's not forget Little Dudes in Big Trouble in Gnome Alone 3D. I didn't see it. From the makers of The Nut Job. I didn't see The Nut Job. It's maybe the best week I've had of, of, for fun of having to decide. I'm going to go I'm gonna go Happy Death Day for my pick. I'm tempted to go uh, the Professor Memoriam and the Wonder Women Emporium. <laughs> <laughs> but I think i got to go Happy Death Day, too. I'm, I'm going with The Foreigner. It looks good, man. It, it looks, looks so cool. It's like... Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan doing mm-hmm. serious roles in action, and it's not like campy kung fu shit. I'm in. Brent, they're showing uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark at this theater in Missouri. <laughs> I'm going with that one. <laughs> what? 
nothing. I don't do that. You, you did it. You did Bullshit. it for Terminator 2 3. Yeah. <laughs> the asshole. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Just do it for Terminator movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, despite its title, I just, I really like Rebecca Hall. So I would pick uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Yep. Interesting story. Yeah. And now they're definitely, weird... they're kind of lucky that Wonder Woman was such a huge hit. Yeah. Because this would have been, this movie would have been forgotten. It's like, yeah, like last year they made a movie about the guy who came up with Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of that, the weird, weird casting choices in movies, Suicide Squad reminded me. Do you see John Krasinski's playing Jack Ryan in the new yeah. reboot? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. is this a TV show or a movie? Movie, it's right? It's a TV show. Oh, I thought, yeah. Give me a prom series. That, that's been, uh... That was like a couple years ago. The trailer came out, though. Oh, the trailer came out. It just out. looked weird. It's about to be released, I think. So He's like, got his uh, 13th in. hour? What is that movie? 13... Yeah. The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Yeah, Benghazi beard going. That movie, aside from being bad, he just doesn't doesn't do it, man. It's like Bill Hader. Like, I like John Krasinski a lot, but like, we can't have him be in a action hero drama superstar. That, he could be Jack Ryan if they... Just would fucking make it Jack Ryan from the books. Right. Because Jack Ryan's not an action right. character. Mm-hmm. It's what we don't need him to be is, which is actually, uh, I think when they did the Sum of All Fears, that one was a little more accurate to like Jack Ryan because it was more about him being an analyst. I think most of the movies have been until this late, late, the well, Chris Pine one. Alec Baldwin never was. No, Alec Baldwin was a good one. Uh, Patriot Games is one where it kind of lost it because it was a little actiony in Patriot Games. <laughs> kind of, but I mean, he wasn't like, Good at it necessarily. If it didn't, if it's a TV show, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll definitely watch it. I'm just if saying. it's a movie, I, I'll see it when it's on HBO. It's, it's kind of what people say about Star Trek. Like it's similar, I think, which is which is like Star Trek isn't for for fans of Star Trek. They don't like it when Star Trek becomes an action mm-hmm. movie or an action series, right? And I kind of feel the same about page or about Jack Ryan. Like I really like uh, Clear and Present Danger when he's doing like the analyst stuff in Langley. Like, I think that works better than when he's actually in Columbia. Yeah, have you watched that Ben Affleck movie yet? Uh, years ago. No, I, mean, I haven't. Not on my rewatch. Okay. No. I'm still recovering from Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Aren't we all? You and the greatest generation. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this was uh, Talkie Talk. Who too? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast for the media by us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook, through our groups and our page. We would love to hear from you. You can give us a rating, subscribe to it, and uh, hey... Just, we'll hand you our personal emails and you just PayPal us stuff. <laughs> we'll take it. I uh, want to say uh, thanks to the Willow Walkers for providing the intro music. Thanks. Hello. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks to Buriva for, for, for providing the outro music. Thanks. Buriva. <laughs> oh, wow. And I want to say thanks to you guys for being here and talking to Talking to Talking to Bye. Kicking rocks. Down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes Long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know We're going to have a Chris Hardwick show Talking Talkie Talks We have to get really big The show? (laughs) (laughs) Where we talk about the episode we just recorded Where Chris Hardwick does (laughs) Uh <laughs>